Welcome to F at the Time, I'm Martin Brown. On this episode, I speak to YouTuber Sean Barry, also known as Pokeconomist, and we talk about all things Pokemon. I even opened up my first pack of Pokemon cards in over 20 years. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe and leave a five-star review. Let's go. Sean. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to F at the Time. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I was very surprised you asked me for this, I must uh, must be honest with you, but delighted at the same time. Well, Um, yeah. As I know, yes. you are sound engineer by day. Yes. Pokemon master. Pokemon maestro by night. Yeah. The uh, it's been a long time addiction. It's something that I've been into since I was a very young kid. So uh, it's just something that's continued along the way and gradually grown. Let's start with that. The whole point of this show, yeah, is that people like to talk about things they're nostalgic for. Yeah, hundred percent. You just said there you've been a long time. Pokemon fan since childhood. What's your first memories? My very first memories goes back to the days of the original Game Boy. So I watched well, it. That was the early nineties, um, maybe about ninety five, ninety six, or okay, mid nineties then. Um, and I think we had this thing when I was a kid where anytime my sister had something, I immediately wanted it. So it could be anything, anything at all, you know. Um, she would have one, all of a sudden I'd want one and then the Game Boy came out and she had a Game Boy and I picked up the Game Boy and I really, really enjoyed the Game Boy so in my mum's mind it was just this phase of oh, Ashley's got something, Sean wants something um, it doesn't actually like it that much but you know, as the years go on Pokemon came out and I believe it was 98 here in the UK so you know, at the time I was like 5, 6 years old, you know, I wasn't you know, I was, I was still very young um, it was a brand new thing at the time, you know, there was just the games, it's not the franchise it was today. Um, and I still remember going along to the local Wilbur's, uh, where we stay, and they had the stand, the cardboard stand that had all the games in it. And I remember picking up the game, I remember my mum paying the £30 for it. And since then, I just remember, you know, being addicted. You know, over the years it's been, it's evolved completely, uh, you know, parts have changed, some things have been added to it, some things have taken out of it. Um, and it's, it's completely evolved from, you know, the original, what was to original video games has now went into what is, you know, the highest grossing franchise uh, of a video game in the world, which is crazy. Yeah, so for me, I only, I first, I wasn't a Nintendo person. Mm. I was Sega Mega Drive all the way, never had a Game Boy, never had Nintendo. So I first heard about Pokemon with the cartoon, which must have been... Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't think the cartoon was too far out from the games. Uh, the games originally came out in Japan, I want to say up to two years prior to the deaths uh, here in the UK and the US. They launched originally in the US, then eventually made their way over here in the UK. Uh, there was actually a shop in Glasgow that you could go to that would get US imports. So you were able to get the games here a little earlier than maybe you are, you know, um, at your sort of retail stores or whatever. What, what shop was that? GeForce, I want to say it was. I remember that. It was yeah. on Union Street. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They would get imports from like all over the place, which was fantastic because you would have these games and people were like, where on earth did you get these from? And I'm like, I mm, can't really tell you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, so the cartoon as well, like completely into that. Um, I believe that time, like the, the sort of, you know, everything about Pokemon was exploding. Uh, you know, they would have like freebies and like magazines. I remember Lunchables actually had freebies as well, which I think were these little disc things that you would get. Um, and then it just took off, you know, all of a sudden it went from a video game to a cartoon. There was movies, there was trading card games. Um, you know, places like McDonald's and Burger Kings were then doing toys based on it. Um, it like everything just exploded, you know, it, it really did take off. Um, you know, Super Mario is maybe like one of the Nintendo franchises that people might know a lot about. Um, and, you know, I think Pokemon was essentially, you know, as big, if not bigger than, you know, your Super Mario's uh, or anything, you know, along that line. I remember around that time, mm. you just, it was everywhere. Oh, 100%. It was, Pokemon yeah. was just everywhere. Oh, it was huge, like absolutely huge. Like, even the movie, I remember vividly going to see the first movie. I, I couldn't tell you how many movies there have been now. I think there's maybe, like, 14 or 15. Like, it's a crazy number. Um, you know, so going to see that first one in the cinema. Um, and they gave you, I think it was, like, you get some trading cards when you went to see it as well, you know. Um, and the second movie came out in the year 2000, I believe, as well. Um, which, you know, for a game that came out in 1998, you know, I have two you know, feature-length movies within two years of, you know, a game coming out or 96 as it would have been in Japan. You know, it just, it literally went from, you know, that small-time thing to absolutely huge, almost overnight. Which, you know, when you kind of, you, I still remember the trailer for what it's worth, the TV advert where, you know, they put all these monsters in the bus, then it gets like crushed <laughs> down into like this little Game Boy device. And that was the Pokemon advert. You know, that was that was as far as it went um, at the time. Um... But it's just absolutely surreal to think, you know, here we are, what, 25 years this year, actually, uh, later. And not only is it still here, but I'd argue that over the past two years, it's been stronger, more popular, um, and, you know, bigger than ever. What do you think it is about Pokemon? Because there's been um, many things since then. You've had Digimon, you've yeah. things like that. The For me, in my mind, it's pretty simple why I love Pokemon and why the addiction, if you will, is there for me, and it's the collectability. Um, Pokemon, in my opinion, is the most iconic, it is the most, uh, it's just the most well-cast, collectible game. It was why the original first one, originally there was 150 Pokemon, you know, now you're nearing 1,000 almost. Um, and everything about it just captured the imagination of a young kid, you know, going about collecting um, these Pokemon, training them up, you know, battling in gyms to get and you know, having badges to collect and things like that. And um, you could battle your friends. And, um, you know, at the time it was a link cable that you used, <laughs> which was, you know, a wire between two devices in order to trade over. And um, so, you know, you're battling your friends. That was at the time there was no mobiles, obviously there was no you know, um, any sort of like mobile game that you could play. So, it you know, that was unheard of almost at the time. Uh, trade between each other. So, I mean, there was a lot in there. And I think a lot of those elements that made it so popular are probably why, you know, it's still relevant today, really. You know, I think at its base, Pokemon is the exact same as it was all that time ago, back in the 90s. And, you know, I think that's kind of what will keep it going in the future is that collectability element of it. Um, you know, and that sort of almost working together, but at the same time, you know, you can battle against each other and you can, you know, kind of like face off and show off 
um, against your friends or whatnot as well. Yeah. And obviously, there is just an endless mm. number of characters. So when oh, I first started 100%. watching, there was 150. And now I don't even know how many there is. I don't even know how many there is, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think there's, last I checked, there's, I believe it's, you know, getting towards a thousand, uh, either in the 800s or 900s. Um, the latest games came out, um, Sword and Shield, which came out on Nintendo Switch uh, a couple of years back there. Um, and, you know, that was actually based in the UK, believe it or not, those games. Um, so at one point, uh, some of the developers were traveling about the UK, you know, looking for different ideas and different... And you can kind of see when you play the games, you know, there's like sort of a rendition of like London Eye, for example. Um, you know, I'd like to think Scotland also plays a good part in it because there's, you know, a lot of sort of like roaming land that, you know, you've seen sort of hillside or if you were to go, you know, further out of town and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. So... Moving on from the games mm. and the cartoon. Yeah. Pokemon cards. Yeah. So, as you said, in the last year or so, it's just gone mad. Yeah. Um, and now it's it's always been it's always been mad. I remember stories of kids getting stabbed in playgrounds for their Pokemon cards back in 1999. If that's true or not, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But over the last couple of years, it's gone crazy. Why do you think that is? Um, it, to be honest, it's just been an absolute perfect storm. Um, I mean, COVID has played a huge, huge part in it. Um, people stuck at home, you know, picking up maybe activities and hobbies. Um, but along with that, there's also been influencers who, you know, have huge millions and millions of followers um, and as soon as, you know, someone sees or someone that follows that influencer sees them participate in a certain activity, you know, by default, almost they're going to want to join in as well. They're like, oh, this is awesome. You know, we'll pick this up as well. Um, and that's what it's been. It's just been the absolute perfect storm. Um, also, kind of something that I think plays a factor as well is because the demand's so huge, production hasn't been able to meet demand. In normal times, I'd argue production couldn't meet demand. In COVID times, where you know things were getting shut down, production factories in the US weren't running as you know they normally would. Um, you've got all these people wanting stuff that they can't get, um, and then when people hear that stuff is selling out, stuff is unavailable, that makes people more people want it. So all of a sudden, like demand by that is also exploding as well. So to answer that question, is there's not one single thing it is just been a complete perfect storm of all these sorts of events, you know, COVID, as I said, the influencers getting involved and people, you know, having a look in their basement or having a look in their cupboards and then finding these old cards from their kids and then going online and going, oh, wait, this might actually be worth something here. You know, um, it's just, yeah, there's so many factors into that. Yeah. So it's, I think it's commonly known as like the 30 year nostalgia kick mm. where mm. people who are children Fast forward 30 years later, they have expendable uh, expendable money. They want those things they yeah. had when they were when they were a child. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm collecting wrestling action figures that I uh, that I had as a child, and and now I just I just want them all again. Do you think there's a bubble? Do you think once the 30 year nostalgia kick is over, mm. it will go down? Or will it just keep going up and up and up as they produce more product? Yeah. I mean, there's... For me, there's kind of there's two sides to this. There's always that worry of, you know, how long is this going to last? Is it going to last? 
you know, for example, a first edition box of Pokemon cards, if you were to pick that up maybe five, six years ago, that would have went for, what, maybe $600, $700 if you're lucky. Right now, if you wanted to buy one of those, you're talking, you know, quarter of a million territory. So, like, Jeez. that's just, like, it's not even a 10 plus. You know, it's, it's literally went from, you know, the affordable range to, you know, it's very, very small amount of people in the world that can afford these things now. If you're looking to buy, you know, what it would have been in a shop floor in the 90s. Um, so on that side of it, as long as these people that can afford these purchases or, you know, can afford to put this, plow this money into it, and then obviously their following is then going to see them doing it, so they want to do it, but they can't do that. So then they'll go and buy other things that are associated to it, and then that keeps it going as well. I think there's certainly people that have came into the hobby with, you know, they've seen some of the figures and the amounts of money that's been plugged around and thought, hmm, I think I can make a quick buck here. Um, some of them will, some of them won't, some of them lose a lot. I've seen people lose a lot of money in this. Um, and I think they'll leave. And not only do I think they'll leave, I think they, they might cause a little bit of a swirl where all of a sudden they want to get out fast. They just want to shut up, shop, get rid of their stuff, you know, try to recoup some of that money that they've put in the first place. Um, and at that point, you know, if people, you know, if people list a card for, say, like 200 quid or something like that, and then you want to sell your card, which is the same card, you know, automatically you're going to undercut that by, say, 10, 15 pounds. And then all of a sudden these prices start dropping, um, and that does happen. It probably will happen on certain things, but the fact of the matter is um, there's not many cards from 1998 that have sat in someone's cupboard from then till now, and they're going to be pristine condition. You know, and I'm talking like, you know, literally faultless, perfect condition, straight off the factory line. It's, it, the reality is there's not going to be many of those left. There might be a few, but there's not going to be many. So those really top-end cards, you know, the ones that the original Charizard, for example, which was the chase card back in the 90s, I'm fairly confident that over time that will retain its value. It will go up as well because when people, you know, people our age or older, you know, can afford ludicrous sums of money, or the few of them that can, should I say. And this is the the elusive, shiny Charizard card. This is the original, so the original base set was the first Pokemon trading card game set. Um, this was the chase card back in the day. It's, it's still, in many respects, the chase card now. Uh, there have been, you know, many editions of it. Uh, the first edition copy of this card is the one, or, you know, the most iconic one, if you will, the one that goes for by far the most amount of money. Um, but, you know, on top of saying all that as well, I think something to point out is, like, if you had this card as PSA 10, PSA or the grading company, or one of the grading companies, should I say, they grade these things, if you have, like, a PSA 10 copy of that card, um, you could be talking, you know, 150, maybe 200k, if you have a PSA 9, which is, you know, all it is is a scuff. It could be the slightest white mark. It could be the slightest, you know, a really, really fine detail. That's going to drop it to about 50K, if not less. So all of a sudden, like from, you know, what is a 10 to a 9, which isn't a lot. It's really, really fine stuff. Um, you know, that price drops significantly. I kind of liken it to like a Rolex or a fast car. It's maybe not so necessarily what you have. It's what it represents and, you know, the amount of money people are willing to pay for it to show that they've got it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. 
which is why I think you'll see all the influencers go after the perfect ones, you know, the ones that are flawless, the ones that are worth the more money, because as much as, you know, as a Pokemon card, it's also a status symbol, and it's yeah. also a, oh, I can afford this, and, you know, this is, you know, the sort of thing that I like to spend my money on. So how does the grading system work? Mm. There's a bunch of different companies. Um, most of them are based in America. There's now a few that are kind of popping up here in the UK, but a lot of them are shipped to America for the purpose of grading. Um, so a PSA, for example, which is Professional Sports Authenticator, I believe their name is, they're by far the most mainstream. A lot of people kind of collect them. Uh, you know, they do a lot in kind of like American cards, like baseball cards, um, soccer cards, uh, American football cards, basketball cards, all that sort of stuff. So basically what happens is you send your cards over to PSA, you play a, fa a flat fee, should I say. Um, they'll grade your cards and we'll go through a quality control um, second person will look at it, say they're happy with the grade, it'll get sent back to you in what's called a slab, uh, which is basically a plastic container which slabs the card, it's got a little label at the top that tells you your grade, your card title and when it's from so there's a couple of companies that do that uh, Beckett as I was saying is by far the most expensive but over the past couple of years, especially since this hype started, more and more of these companies have popped up um, the cost for something like a grading service it can dramatically change based on what you're getting graded basically if you're grading that Charizard that I was talking about from 1998 that's in pristine condition or even if it's not in pristine condition to be fair um, your grading fees probably going to go up you can get a 24 hour walkthrough service where you literally go to the factory they walk through with your card, and I believe for something like that, it was about $500 or something like that to $1,000 wow. for one card. On top of that, you also have a fee based on the value of the card. So if your card's worth certain amounts of money, you will get a fee levied on your grade or on your card um, in order to get it back. So, you know, it's not it's not cheap, um, for especially the high-end cards. Um, for that level of service. And saying that, um, you know, we have, I think I've got about 200 cards over there in the US just now. Um, so you've you've sent yours yes, away? Yes, yes. So I've sent mine away. I paid, I believe it was about 750 a card, uh, which is okay. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cheap for, you know, the PSA service. But on the flip side of that, I'll probably be waiting about a year or two to get them back. Right. Um, there's massive backlog right now you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cards over there. Um, I believe PSA at one point were getting through about 30,000 a day um, and there's still a backlog. They've closed their normal service, the, you know, or what would be, you know, the 750 sort of service um, for the moment. And they're only allowing these high-end services, you know, the more expensive ones to continue. So, you know, there's, there's methods to doing it. What we've seen a lot during COVID was people using the more expensive services to get their cards graded faster so they could sell them faster. Um, the, mm. This, and I know people can pay for whatever they want. Yep, yep. Is this a con? It depends what way you come at it. I think, um, I think, you know, part of being human is everyone loves a quick buck, right? Of if you course. if you could offer anyone in the world right now a quick buck, they'd probably take it. You do this, you know, weird hack in life or whatever, we'll give you a quick buck. They'll probably take it. People, a lot of people looked at this 
is a quick buck. People are like, oh, I've got all these cars. I'll just send them over to America, get them graded, get them back, get them sold. Awesome, setting pretty, setting high. Some people will have pulled it off. You know, there will be people in there that have managed to do that. Um, the way I look at it is it's only really worth it, you know, if you're interested. You know, if you have no interest in this, if you really couldn't care less, I think you'd be surprised at the amount of time, effort, you know, all the sort of research that goes into these things to actually make it worth it, you know. Um, when I was kind of like sending my cards away, you know, kind of going and looking, you know, it wasn't a quick process, you know, I had to hunt through a lot of stuff, decide what I sent away. And I think the most important thing about that for me was I sent over 200. At the end of this process, if I get them back, come back to America, and they're worthless. They're absolute, you know, they're worth nothing. I can't trade them in for anything. That wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I'd be nope. perfectly happy with that, 100%. Because um, I think they mean more to me personally than any sort of, you know, value or whatnot. You know, part of me is kind of like, you know, some of them I know will be worth a little bit of money. Um, but even when I get them back, I have no intention of selling most, if not all of them. Um you know, I'm just quite happy to have it secured in a way that will kind of maintain its condition for hopefully, you know, a long time to come. Um, and if, you know, that sat in the shelf gathering dust for the next 20, 30, 40 years or whatever, I'd be totally fine with that. I don't anticipate that happening for what it's worth. I think that's got a long way to go yet. Yeah. Um, but worst case scenario, I'd be totally fine with that. A lot of what I sent away, the condition was almost secondary to me. Um, a lot of them have sort of like a story behind them or they have like sort of events where I've got them from or how I've came across them. Sentimental value. Exactly, 100% sentimental value. And I just thought, wouldn't it be awesome to have this in a case and then have it, you know, thingling somewhere. I don't need to worry about it being in a folder. I don't need to worry about it being in a sleeve, making sure the condition's okay. I can have it in a case that I can display and not have to worry about it. For me, you know, there's not... As much as you know, I can pinpoint where it's all started and things like that, you know, there's been ups, there's been downs through this full thing. I still remember vividly, um, you know, I had some like cards when I was younger. As we were saying earlier, the Charizard is, you know, the chase card. It's the one everyone wants. That never interested me at one point. Can I just tell you one story? Please do. Um, my friend Kyle, if you're watching or listening, I am sorry, it wasn't me. But in my house... Uh, I believe somewhere there is a shiny Charizard card that does not belong to me. Oh, um, it's kind of slip in your pocket or something like that. It wasn't me. I'm uh, just saying it wasn't me. But uh, yes, oh. it's, it's it's there somewhere. We he'll, maybe oh. he'll get it back. Hopefully, the uh, the owner can uh, eventually. You know, you're just keeping it safe for him. That's all it was. Yeah, exactly. right? it I, I might get it graded for him. That's it. <laughs> You've got a hell of a weight in your present. hands if you wanted to do that, to be honest with you, man. It's, uh, I mean, it's definitely not going to be a 10, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. More sorry, Kyle. One, I guess. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, anyway, sorry. The Charizard is kind of like an icon of this thing, you know, even in games, it was a very strong Pokemon. Um, people really take into the Charizard. I think the animation helped with that as well, because Ash used one, uh, who is the main sort of... Um, Oh, everyone knows Ash. Yeah. Everyone, Ash I mean, Ketchum. if you're listening or watching, you must know who Ash if is. If you're listening or watching, I've got the cap. It's took me 25 years to find one, but I got one. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, the Charizard was, you know, iconic. For me, it was the Snorlax. I absolutely loved Snorlax. For anyone that doesn't know, go Google Snorlax right so now. So I was going to ask, is Snorlax your favourite Pokemon? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I love Snorlax. 
Um, in the game, you could only get two of them. Um, after, you know, if you didn't catch the two of them that were there, that was it. You can get another one without restarting your game. Um, but everything about Snow Relax, I loved. It reminds me a lot of myself. <laughs> um, it eats a lot. You know, it sleeps a lot. Uh, it likes music. Um, you know, it's just, for me, I loved the Snow Relax. The Snow Relax was my favorite. I was really fortunate to have a Snorlax, a hollow Snorlax card that I believe was first edition. Um, if that card was in print condition today, you're probably on about 35 grand. Safe to say it wasn't wow. print condition. It was in my short pocket. I was taken out with my friends because we're kids. That's, That's what, what they do. were for. Yeah. You take them out, you play with them, you scratch them across the ground, not purposefully, maybe sometimes. Um, you know, so after one day playing with us card, playing with my cards, come home, shorts right beside the washing machine, shorts going to the washing machine. Oh no. And Snorlax comes out, half of his picture doesn't, and the rest of the card just stuck to him at the back <laughs> as well. So that was, that was the end of that chapter. Um, if so, anybody has a hollow Snorlax. If anyone has a relatively, you know what, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not the guy that cares about the 10s. Like, I'm really not. I'm, it's I'm, sentimental. Oh, 100%, yeah. man. That's all it is. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully one day I'll be able to pick one up again. Um, I'm sure while somewhere down the line and I'll just try to make sure that I don't make the same mistake okay. that I did last time with that card so uh, we're on the hunt we're on the hunt for we a Snorlax we are indeed yes you said there as kids you played with them yeah yeah. do you know how the Pokemon card game actually works <laughs> I actually do but to be fair like at the time again as a kid I had no idea um, I was quite fortunate to have they did release a Game Boy version of it so for that to you know to play that game you actually had to play the game as it was intended at the time i wasn't very good at it i didn't still didn't understand how it worked despite the fact you have a tutorial in front of you walking you through it i still wasn't too familiar with it and you know a couple of years back you know i managed to get a digital copy of it and i went back and you know i kind of understand it a little bit now but it's not simple it's quite complex it takes a little bit getting used to it. there's an online trading card game now as well so um you know you can go on that i think it's free as well and you can kind of you can learn as you're playing that you know so there's it's worth knowing there's a highly competitive scene there's world championships every year uh they change location i believe it's all different states of the us uh, they have different categories from you know youngsters to maybe in their teens to what they call i believe it's the masters which is anyone over 18. um and that you know as well as the video games they also have this highly competitive scene um, you know, a lot of people do play it with the intention of the actual card game as opposed to the collector side of it. Um, but as a kid, I had no idea whatsoever. <laughs> Not a clue, man. Not well, a clue. As an adult, I also have no idea how that plays. <laughs> um, so you mentioned there, you got Ash's hat. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just cards, mm. right? It's not just oh, the games. No. no, 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 no. It's 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 merchandise, it's clothing, it's plush toys. Yep. What all Pokemon do you collect and what is your favorite piece? Oh man. I thought I was well prepared for this, but I didn't even think that out. Um <laughs> and uh, if anyone's watching hanging over your Yeah, uh, so I've got chair. I've got the jacket here as well. I'll turn this around for you. So yeah. there's a jacket with a bunch of Pokemon on the back of it. Uh, also get some jeans as well uh, that are similar design to this one. Uh, for what it's worth, this is actually based, I believe, on the jungle um, sort of Pokemon set. So it's got the sort of jungle feel, um, which was where that shot, uh, shiny Snorlax, the Hollow Snorlax, actually came from. That was the set that the Hollow Snorlax on. So this is actually a sign. In memory of. In memory of. Exactly. And hopefully somewhere <laughs> along the line I can be reunited with one. 
Um, as far as favorite piece out of everything Pokemon Earth that I've got, I'm actually going to say the original Pokemon Red game, um, which I've still got. I've still got every single way the the video games, the Pokemon games that I picked up across the years, um, because it's just that's where it all started. You know, um, going into that world where's that day. Um, getting that game and then from there it's literally snowballed all because of that video game. Uh, a few years ago we went to America and anytime we go on holiday I always take my Game Boy with me uh, or I think it's Nintendo DS as it is these days and take all my Pokemon games um, and this trip I think it took oh, I don't even want to say how many maybe about 10, 12 Pokemon games. It was a lot of Pokemon games I took with me. Um, so we went over for the two weeks. Fantastic. Loved it. It was awesome. Um, never used it once. We were so busy. <laughs> Didn't use it a single time. Um, playing back, got home, and I was like, oh, you know, I could play a bit of Pokemon. Where's the games? Where's the DS? I didn't have it. Checked everywhere, checked my bag. I got my girlfriend to check all her belongings. No, not there. I'm like, this is literally, you know, some of these games I get easily 200 to three hours of gameplay on. So, you know, and it's multiple of them. So, like, this had literally a lot, a lot of my Pokemon and things on it. I was very fortunately contacted the hotel. It'd been handed in by the cleaners into the um, lost and found department. Wow. They sent it over from America. I did have to pay a custom fee in the total <laughs> value of everything, but that was the least of my concerns. We can't we can't go anywhere and speak about the games mm. without talking about Pokemon Go. Yes, yes, yes. So it was the craze for a couple mm. of months. Mm. Everybody everywhere yep. was catching Pokemon. Then it kind of died down. Yeah. And then within the last year again, I feel like more and more people are playing it again. Mm. Is this another part of the of the boom, of the Pokemon boom? The um, You know, it's a very interesting one because the whole idea of Pokemon Go is you go outside and you explore and you find Pokemon when you're out. You mix that with COVID where everyone is meant to stay in. <laughs> On paper, that's a recipe for disaster. But actually, it's boomed. It's actually done a lot better than, you know, it was done previously because people get more spare time. Um, you know, it's an app on their phone. They can play it. And also the game itself and Niantic developers they sort of made substitutes, they made changes that then allowed people to play at home, which was pretty cool. Um, obviously, you know, different parts of the world are in different situations now, so, you know, I think in-game, you know, there are maybe different sort of situations for different countries and things at the moment. But for the most part, I think that was great moving, you know, on name to do that. Um, it definitely got a lot more people into it. And then obviously, on the flip side of COVID, you know, people can go back outside again. People are exploring, people are walking or exercising. And again, this fits straight into that. You know, like you're essentially rewarded. You are rewarded in game for doing exercise, for walking, for moving. Um, and that, again, come back to the collectible factor as well. You know, there's a collectability element to it, which, you know, is, you know, laced throughout Pokemon, regardless of what it is, whether it be trading cards, video yeah. games. Um, you know, so again, yeah, they've just. For something that looked bleak and looking okay, this this could be a potential hazard. They have to be always kind of knocked out of the ballpark. We've come this far. <sighs> I see them sitting on the yes. table in front of you. They're here waiting for you. I haven't opened Pokemon cards since maybe nineteen ninety nine. Oh, you pick which two you're after. I see that you have these here. Yes. I am also prepared. Oh, wow! This is an unexpected turn. 
I have. Oh, Chilling Rain. Oh. So before we go any further, yes, I do not understand the different packs, the different types. Mm. Talk us through. Cool. So first of all, we'll start. With you've got there. You've got a three pack of Chilling Rain. Chilling Rain was the second latest set. So Evolving Skies just came out. I think it was about two weeks ago. Chilling Rain was the set before that. Um, your set, I hate to say, it, is notoriously difficult to get anything good out of those packs. So I do hope we get something out of them. I'm not got my hopes uh, up. Ah, uh, yeah, like the, the pull rate in that specific set and the set before it um, were particularly harsh. I would say they did try to even it up with this set here. So hopefully, between the seven packs, I would hope we get something good out of it. Potentially from you know retail value of um you know four pound a pack or something there's that gambling element which also i don't think we spoke about yet um and the trading cards and also in the video games to a certain extent there was a gambling element in there which you know um or at least in the originals not so much the new ones so with the cards basically what you're hoping for is you know one of the big characters you're hoping for something that is good value me on the other hand you know i'm a collector so it all goes in a folder at the end of the day or Absolutely. you know everything yeah. that i don't have goes in a folder at the end of the day so you know i'm not too fast on that sort of thing but yeah i think between what we've got here man we could we could hit on something well uh pretty decent first of all i just spotted snorlax you have a snorlax right here can't tell if you did that on purpose i did not i did uh, not know but do you know what? You can have that Snorlax. Oh, thank you, man. You I appreciate that. Thank you. So, what's this? So, that's a coin. Um, uh, those are pretty collectible as well. If you've got any of those for, you know, the sort of 90s, the original games as well, they go for a little bit of money. Um, but it's also used as like a heads and tails flip in the actual trading card game itself. Because it kind of reminds me of um, of Pogs mm. and Tazos. Oh, yeah. Tazos. Oh, I love Tazos. I'm saying it now. 30-year nostalgia kick. Oh, Pogs are coming back. I do hope so. <laughs> Got some sleeves for you here as well if you oh, want. Oh, amazing. A normal pack. Mm. Just one pack from the shop. A around pack. four pounds. Yep. And the chances of getting a 90-pound card out of a normal pack. Very slim. slim. Very slim. So about one in six, I believe, will get you a V-card. V-cards could go for a bit too quite. So, you know, there may be your free ticket. If you won a lottery, you might get your money back on those. So that's one in six. Um, anything above that, like for this specific card, to get this specific one, you're maybe talking about one one thousand packets. eBay is probably your place to go if you're wanting single cards. If there's anything specific you want, as a you know one particular card, you know that sort of things, you know kind of where you can go. And also to price them, that's where I go to price them. Um, on the sort of pricing aspect, it's probably worth pointing out. Um, you know, you can go on eBay, you can list anything for any price in the world. You know, you could, I could take that and put it up for a million. Doesn't mean anyone's going to buy it, doesn't mean it's worth a million. The sold listings is really where you find out what's selling, how much it's selling for, when it was selling, and, you know, a realistic expectation of what you might actually get for something. So you can see the first card, don't worry about that. Just be careful when you take them out because you don't want to reveal the back one too soon. Okay. You'll have a code card under the bottom here. So what you want to do is just take that out. You don't want to see the upside of that because that can actually tell you what you might have okay. in the pack. So that explain way. that in a minute. Turn them over. Go. You want to take four from the back. One, two, three, four. Put that at the front. Now the two that are at the back are going to be the most valuable. Uh, if so you turn your cards over, first one you've got is an energy. Every single pack will have one energy card in it. So you can put that slide 
And then we begin. Final card is Metagross. Oh wow. Shiny. No way. Oh you got V card. Oh wow, that's awesome. So those are the ones that are about one in six. So that's really cool. I'm so glad we got something between two of us. Oh, oh that's brilliant. It's not just how rare the card is, yep. it's how it's printed as well. Yep, yep. How Printing how does condition. that work? So with that one there, what you want to do is if you flip it over, mm. um give kind of a quick overview of how the grading works. These sorts of thick blue, so like sort of darker blue areas that go around outside, um, those uh, kind of also essentially get measured, you know? So basically what you're wanting to get a PSA 10 card, your borders have to be a 60-40 split. So the tolerance is instead of having a 50-50s prime, 60-40, you know, 60% one side, 40% the other. What these cards have going for them is there's not going to be any scratches on the surface because they're just out the pack. So that we don't have to worry about. Stuff that comes straight out the back, your biggest issue is the centering around the card and also the corners because when it's in the pack and it's getting shipped, those are the things that are probably going to get a little bit of damage on them. Okay, final car, uh, final pack. Let's do it, man. Let's end on high. You can get this one. Oh, no, it's all you. Are you it's sure? Yeah, okay. 100%. Oh, I've got a feeling there's something good in this, actually. I've seen the code at the bottom. So oh. that won't actually tell me what the card does, but it will tell me what there's something. here? Energy. Golduck. Rubber gloves. Copycat. Rog and roll. I get it. I get it. Psyduck. Swablu. Seedot. Woobat. Cryogonola? That's giant ice. Um, icicle, isn't it? And the final one, which is shiny, I can see that, is oh, a copycat no trainer. Oh, is that a rainbow? That's it, a rainbow, isn't it? Oh, crap. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow, don't fall off the chair. <laughs> that is freaking awesome, man. Get that in if you don't mind. Put in one of those things. Okay. It's worth more than your pack. You want to take a guess? So my pack set me back 12 pounds. Cool. So You've made your pack back. Oh, amazing. So your card is worth 16 pounds. That's not bad. That's all right. And in fact, here you go. You can have the Snorlax. Oh, thank you, man. That's uh, that's going in my folder when I get home for sure. That's awesome. It's also hollow as well, which is really nice. So, complete coincidence that I bought that pack. But there oh, you go. Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? So I can that actually replaces the hollow Snorlax that you know went in the. Uh, well, there you go. That went in the wash. Went in the so, wash. Yeah. Okay, Sean. Where can people find you? So, uh, at the moment, um, I'm mostly active on Instagram, at PokeEconomist. Uh, hopefully, we can leave a uh, link or whatever below this, if that's okay with you. Or Absolutely. Or if you're podcast. Yep. Um, think Economist and put P-O-K at the start of it, and then you've got it. Uh, Instagram is where I'm most active. I try to post, post one photo a day. Um, where I take a Pokemon card, not necessarily a high value one. Yeah, I just go out somewhere new, uh, try to take a picture and start seeing a rare example, maybe like a beach or like some rocks or stuff like that. Yeah, so you can find me there also on YouTube, again, at PokeEconomist. I have a Twitter account, which I'm not very active on, and also TikTok, which I hope to be doing a little bit more on uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, but Instagram and YouTube are the accounts to watch for the moment. Um, those are where you'll find me most. 
Thank you very much, and this has been a pleasure. Thanks ever so much, man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Sean for coming on and speaking to me. You can follow him on all the social medias at PokeEconomist, and you can follow me at F at the Time on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, catch you later.